This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, is this working? Is everything on? Does the camera work? Microphone? Check, check. Everybody all together. Panic has all calmed down now. I swear, Elliot Friedman will do anything to get out of doing this daily hit at the top of the show. Fridge, by the way, is at the uh, the general manager's meetings in downtown Toronto. So uh, he'll report back. I'm just texting with him now. N- nothing really sounds huge right now, but if there is anything, he'll uh, he'll get it to me and uh, we'll present it to you on the air here today. An abbreviated show due to technical difficulties probably caused by Elliot Friedman. That's where I'm pointing the fingers anyhow. Unless proven, uh, unless proven otherwise, I'm blaming Farage. Uh So he's at the GM's meetings. You know, there are a couple of things that um, I was talking about this on Hockey Night on Saturday. There are a couple of things that they were going to talk about. Nothing earth shattering. Um, and the early GM meetings, like the one in November, always sets up and is the prelude, the chumming of the waters, if you will, uh, for the one that comes up later in March. Um, which has a little more gravity attached to it. That's where some bigger issues are dealt with uh, and some things really start to get rolling. There was, there was supposed to be a, a discussion about coaches' challenge. Um, I know that there were a lot of people that were sour going back to last week in that Anaheim-Minnesota game. Uh, the Trevor Zegras goal, the Michigan, which is just a high wraparound, folks. Let's all calm down. Yes, I'm that cynical. I'm sick of the Michigan now. Uh, the high wraparound, we'll just call it now. Uh, there were a lot of people that thought that that should have been a goal, despite the fact that technically it was offside. And is there any mechanism that the GMs can come up with that would allow that uh, to still be a goal? And there have been a number of things that have been suggested. Uh, we've heard things about, you know, if the if there's a change of possession uh, before the puck comes out, then there can be no offside review. If there's a certain amount of time in the zone, uh, then the offside gets washed out, which still means that there will be a review, but now it'll be how many seconds did a team have possession, so you're not getting away from any type of review for that matter. So again, you know, Colin Campbell always talks about the laws of unintended consequences when you're making these rules, and you know, there was a, well, famously the Matt DeShane play. The Matt DeShane play was the one that really sort of spurned this on, which would have been Colorado and Nashville, Chris Mason would have been the goaltender. Curious to get his thoughts on this one because, you know, when he saw that, did he think that it would, you know, of course not, but did, you know, any any way, shape, or form think that it would lead to this amount of annoyance uh, in the NHL? But again, Campbell right on this one, law of unintended consequences. Now everyone's looking to, um, looking to, let's just say, massage the offside challenge as I don't think many are thrilled with it. Um, okay, so that was going to be on the docket. I don't know much is going to happen there. Uh, there's going to be an update on rule changes. And really, the NHL only changed, um, you know, uh, one rule this year. And it was, you know, uh, officials now being given the uh, the ability to rescind major penalties upon video review. So they can knock them down to two or they can rescind them all together. Uh, there would be some legal updates as well. But really, no surprise that this thing has ended, I believe, an hour earlier than it was anticipated. I think this thing was supposed to go to 2 o'clock Eastern. It wrapped up just before 1, uh, and everybody's looking now to get out of Dodge and get out of the city of Toronto and back to their home bases. So if anything earth-shattering happens, let me just do a quick check here. 
anything earth shattering happens, uh, anyone has the nerve to say anything, uh, Elliot will send it along and will present it to you. Uh, so coming up on the show today, the abbreviated edition of this pro, uh, of this broadcast, um, going to talk to Bernice Carnegie. Now, Bernice Carnegie is someone um, that I first spoke to about. She's, I want to see, 15, 16, maybe 17 years ago when her and her late father, Herb, who now takes his rightful place in the Hockey Hall of Fame, came into a, a, a studio that I was working at doing the Leafs Lunch Show at 640 uh, with Bill Waters. And, you know, we talked a lot about his career. And, you know, Bernice, um, along with her nephew, Rain, have been big proponents in, you know, moving along this this movement to get Herb Carnegie into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it was a, a beautiful evening last night. And, you know, Bernice talking about, you know, stand up if you're here uh, because of Herb Carnegie and watching all the people, you know, stand up. And um, we've seen and heard a lot of great Hall of Fame speeches before, but I don't know one that I've seen or heard that was better than last night with Bernice Carnegie. Part of it was heartbreaking. Part of it was inspirational. It had a very human touch to it. It had a theme of perseverance. It had a theme of correcting injustices. There was a whole lot into what Bernice talked about yesterday and about her, her late father, um, who's now in the Hockey Hall of Fame, rightfully. Uh, and I will always plug this book, Whenever I mention Herb Carnegie, because I think this is one that sh that belongs on every hockey fan's bookshelf. If you're watching on 360, you can see it. Uh, a Fly in a Pail of Milk, the Herb Carnegie story. If you haven't read it already, get it, read it, and keep it somewhere handy. Because it's going to be one uh, that you don't read once. You know how on everyone's bookshelf, there's one or two books where, yeah, I've read that thing a dozen times or I've read that thing five times. Uh, the Herb Carnegie story trust me, I guarantee you, uh, is one that you're not just going to read once. So Bernice Carnegie drops by uh, towards the bottom of the hour. Very much looking forward to that conversation. Uh, and again, Elliot at the general manager's meetings. But I want to spend some time, you're talking about what we saw last night, both on the ice uh, and off of it. And we'll start that conversation with our producer, Matt Marchese, here as we'll give way to Bernice towards the bottom of the hour. Um, Hall of Fame speeches are always interesting to see who gets thanked, to see who gets mentioned. Um, and listen, right out of the gate, it was great to hear Daniel Alfredson reference Borea Salming. I know we spent a lot of time, Maddie, talking about Borea Salming yesterday, uh, but almost right away, Daniel Alfredson mentioning you know how Borea Salming paved the way for a lot of Swedish players in the game, and you know there were a, a lot of interesting people that he mentioned. Of course, his agent J.P. Barry. That goes without saying. Uh, Rick Bonus, his first coach with the Ottawa Senators, Jacques Martin as well. Um, and there was a, a maybe a, a, a mild ovation is the way to put it, but there was an ovation when he mentioned Brian Murray as well, who we all miss. I miss dealing with Brian Murray. Everybody misses Brian Murray in the game. Anyway, we'll sort of knock these down one by one. What did you make of Alfredson last night? I do love the, the Salming tribute because you see – like we talked yesterday about what he meant to the Leafs organization. But when we talk about the overall impact of what Borea <laughs> Salming meant to Swedish hockey players, I think Daniel Alfredson kind of, you know, showing, showing that affection for him shows what it really meant in a hall of fame speech of all things, right? He, he could have waited and whatever, but Daniel Alfredson talking about Borea Salming yeah. meant a lot. And <laughs> 
in his speech when he thanked Rick Bonus, I had almost forgotten that Rick Bonus was his coach. I mean, it, it was so long ago <laughs> that, and I I remember watching like the old Rock. Rick Bonus has coached Rick Bonus has coached Rick Rick Bonus has coached everybody in the history of the game. It seems like pretty that's much how long Rick has been around. Pretty much, and like I remember seeing the videos of Rick Bonus when I was younger of him waving the white towel and all that stuff, and just and and we do forget because it was so long ago, like. We do forget um, Daniel Alfredson did win the Calder Trophy, but what's more important is the helmet that Daniel Alfredson wore when he won that trophy. That bubble Jofa <laughs> bucket was so bad, yeah. and and you look at it now and go, "What yeah. a it was horrible." But Daniel Alfredson, um, as expected, you know Daniel Alfredson when he was on the ice, he played hard. Sometimes he played dirty. But Daniel Alfredson is a, is okay. as class as it gets in the NHL that we've seen, and and it showed in his speech last night. You know, and one of the things, and this was a really nice touch at the end of the speech or towards the end of the speech when he went out of his way to mention the mental health of athletes uh, and encouraging people all around the game and specifically coaches, uh, making sure the coaches uh, help out and help to remove the stigma uh, around mental health. I thought that was a wonderful uh, wonderful touch. Uh, I want to get to Herb Carnegie in a second, so I'm going to park that till the end. Um, Roberto Luongo, you know, one of the great characters of the game, one of the most you know colorful personalities uh, the game has ever seen. Was a really nice conversation that he he mentioned uh, about how he met his wife uh, when he was in Vancouver, a 21 year old going to to meet someone who owned an Italian restaurant, and he had a daughter, and that became his wife, and there's the family. Uh, your thoughts on Luongo last night? Yeah, and and again, it was it was kind of like to have Dominic Hoshik present him with his plaque was to me it was almost like it, it was like a changing like the, it was like the change of the guard because of the way Dominic Hoshik played and we go from one great to another and they were so polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Luongo was a big guy who played his angles and it's still super athletic, but. Dominic Koshik was the complete opposite. And to have him, you know, present the plaque was, it was almost in that, you know, like the Dominic Koshiks, the Curtis Josephs, the guys who didn't necessarily play the angles, but they played athletically because they weren't super big and didn't cover the whole net to a guy like Roberto Mm -hmm. Luongo and the later stages of Patrick Waugh, where it was the bigger goalies that started to take over. So I thought that was, was really interesting, but the one thing that I've always liked about Roberto Luongo, and I mentioned it yesterday, he has such a good sense of humor. And, you know, I think yeah. that goes a long way. And the guys that we do remember are the ones that give us a good quip every once in a while, or they're able to, you know, have self-deprecating humor, which he did. And I just, I just thought, you know, I was, I was curious about him going into the hall of fame, but once, once you get to that point and you really break everything down and you look at the international success, oh, no, no, I mean, no, no. even He's... Chris, yeah, 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 yeah. Chris Cuthbert talking about how Ron Wilson thought that they had the gold medal one Joe Pavelski shot. And, and you forget about that moment because yep. the Crosby goal kind of takes over, but it was that close to, to being an American gold medal in the Olympics and Roberto Luongo makes a big save and then they end up winning the game because of it. You know, it was nice yesterday with the Sedins as well um, and hearing them reference either Matthias Oland or talking about how much Anson Carter meant to, well, Daniel specifically, 
and uh, and you know teaching him how to be a how to be a professional um, to say nothing of Alex Burrows and then Henrik comes in and talks about you know Burrows would say we we communicate like dolphins that was I mean we knew going in obviously there was going to be a, a a humorous touch to this because very wryly the uh, the Sedins have a great deadpan sense of humor saw that yesterday to say nothing about Roberto Luongo as well um, but I thought that there was like it was it was what we expected from the Sedins. They were both great. They poked fun at one another. Um, you know, the uh, the I'm a better Sedin than you was fantastic. I could have been a 40-goal scorer. You always held me back. With you, I was 20. It was it was playful. It was fun. It was nice. It was, it was you know, Henrik and Daniel, two of the most creative and lovable players the game has ever seen. Like, how do you yeah, not love the Sedins, Maddie? Oh, I know. And I didn't have an appreciation for them when they first came in. I always thought, oh, these guys are never going to make it. And for a brief period of time at the beginning of their career, while they were adjusting, it didn't look like they were going to make it. But they figured it out. And boy, did they figure it out in a big way. And I loved I absolutely loved, and I, and I know most people did, the 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 Henrik, um, the Henrik quote, uh, seven, Henrik at 70% is a lot better than Daniel at 100% <laughs> when referencing his uh, recovering from COVID. But that is, yeah, it's, it's, good. it's that even, even when they did that, um, the commercial, I can't remember what the company was, what, what company it was for, but they did the commercial where, oh, we got these guys go back into their hotel room and it's like, oh, we got uh, two Swedes or whatever. And they come in and they have the, wasn't that, a, wasn't that an, any, was it, it might've been, wasn't that an, any, I think it was an NHL promo though. Wasn't it? I don't think, I think they liked so, that. I think one. so. I, I was it always was, told it was pretty funny. Weren't, weren't big fans of that spot. It was okay. I mean, it was kind of obvious and goofy. Like, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of that one, to be honest with you. Like, I'll just be blunt. I thought I kind of sucked. That one, I wasn't a big fan of that one at all. Um, and I, I don't think the Sedins like that one either. That's always yeah. the story. I could be wrong. Someone listening in Vancouver right now will tell me I'm wrong about this one. I thought that one stunk. Um, and I, I don't think the Sedins liked it either. Well, I, I will say this. And, and, you know, we had Berkey on yesterday. And Berkey being the one to present the plaques to both of them. Because even you, you don't want to say that an individual has a direct link to the success of Hall of Fame players because there's plenty of things that happen along the way. But Berkey, and we know he drafted the Sedins. Uh, I don't know if you know that. Um, but he was instrumental oh, yeah, yeah. in in their Hall of Fame path because they were able to start their careers and play their whole careers together and i think that part i think that that kind of gets a little bit undersold because we talked about yesterday we don't know what their careers would have been like if they didn't play together but berkey was instrumental Mm -hmm. in making that happen and then they reap the benefits both individually with their success but as you know a, a, a team success and together their success so i berkey should get a lot of credit for that and having him um, give them both the plaques. I thought was a, a nice little touch. Okay, um, Bernice Carnegie is coming up here at the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to spend as much time uh, with her as possible. I thought that was one of, if not maybe the best speech we've ever heard um, at the Hockey Hall of Fame that was spectacular for all those reasons that I mentioned uh, early on. I, I do want to say one thing about, uh, about Gary Bettman, uh, who I thought struck a really good tone yesterday. And, you know, there was... One thing, there was one thing that really caught my ears. Well, there are a few things, but one 
specifically, and I'll read you the quote. He's talking about Herb Carnegie. Though he was talented enough, Herb Carnegie never played in the NHL. He never represented his country at the World Championships or the Olympics for reasons that are, and here's, here's the payoff, abhorrent and unacceptable. And I think we're all on the same page that we understand that it was abhorrent and it is unacceptable that Herb Carnegie was, you know, never played in the NHL. And here's where I'm going with this one. I've wondered about this one for a while. I've mentioned it in various places. And I think now that Herb Carnegie's taken his rightful place in the Hockey Hall of Fame, maybe there does need to be a conversation about this. Um, whether it's at the Kim Davis level, the Gary Bettman level, who knows? I don't even know the process for something like this, but I'll throw it out there anyway. You know, considering it was Con Smythe who allegedly, and, you know, Red Story has mentioned this in the, the Herb Carnegie book, is, you know, hearing Con Smythe say this. Um, that Con Smythe said, I'll pay anyone $10,000 to turn that man white. Considering it was Con Smythe who, with the Maple Leafs, kept Herb Carnegie out of the NHL. Should there be a different name for the playoff MVP trophy? Can you have both? Can you have the commissioner saying, you know, he wasn't in the NHL for reasons that are abhorrent and unacceptable and still celebrate the ultimate individual achievement in the playoffs with the Con Smythe trophy? Or is that too much of a disconnect? Words are one thing, and then actions are another. Words are great, and they open the door. And then the rubber hits the road at some point. Is this a situation where this needs to be taken to another level now? Now that the entire hockey world has recognized, in a profound way, how, how Herb Carnegie was wronged, and wronged by, well, really a number of people, but one very specifically... And we're not saying to erase, or I'm not positioning that we completely erase the history of Conn Smythe or his contributions to the game because they are, the contribution list that Conn Smythe made to the game is, is, it's a long list. But do you have to name a trophy after him? Like, can you have both? Can you have a celebration of Herb Carnegie and still have the Conn Smythe trophy? I think at least it's a conversation. I think it's one that hockey has to have with itself. I mean, eventually you're going to have to come to grips. Hockey is going to, and it's starting to now, come to grips with its own history. Now, we've had these conversations around Willie O'Ree. Now we're starting to have these conversations uh, around Herb Carnegie. Words are one thing, and they are very important, and they open doors, as I said. What are the actions that follow? And should this be one of them? I submit that to anyone listening right now, anyone that wants to further that conversation. I think it's probably one that that's a conversation that should be had amongst people in the National Hockey League. Anyhow, watching that last night, and I, again, I thought Bettman hit a great tone in his speech yesterday. I thought it was excellent. And the stuff about Herb Carnegie was bang on. My only question is, will there be follow-up to it? Should there be follow-up to it? And should there be something done 
about the playoff MVP award. Anyhow, great night. Um, some very deserving people go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. The question now is going to become, and there is one obvious one, Matt Marchese, and that is Henrik Lundqvist, who shouldered a workload playing for the New York Rangers that few, if any, before him have had to shoulder. Like, you know how you look at how Carter Hart is playing with the Philadelphia Flyers right now? Like, you know, the, the workload, the tilting of the rink on a consistent basis, shouldering that type of load for the Philadelphia Flyers. And he's done it for, what, a dozen games? Henrik Lundqvist did that with the Rangers for, like, almost an entire career. Um, I think we're going to look back at this generation of goaltenders and say, take your pick. Who is the best one, Carey Price or Henrik Lundqvist? And there's going to be a lot when you really strip it down and, and, and break it down that say the workload that Lundqvist had to endure and absorb Maybe the the uh, the indicator that pushes him over the top, and he may go down as the best netminder of this generation. Where, you know, consensus has always been in this generation, Carey Price is the man. You yeah, have a thought that, on that one, Maddie? Yeah, it, it's interesting because I I was I was you know I put together the list of potential twenty twenty three Hall of Fame candidates, and there's a, there's a lot of interesting names, and when I got to Lundqvist, well, that was the first one on my list because that feels like the lock of all locks for multiple reasons. One, he's handsome as hell. He, sh- he should go into the handsome Hall of Fame for sure. There's no question <laughs> about that. But he was also yeah. the guy off the ice that had – he seemed like the coolest guy ever. Like nothing could rattle him. Like he was – you know, he was very calm and collected, like a good, good person. And then when you mm-hmm. look at the on-ice accolades – of course, the Olympic gold, Olympic silver, uh, world championship gold, two-time silver medals at the world championship. The shocking thing to me was that he only won one Vezina trophy. I could not believe mm-hmm. that when I saw it. You know, he also had a, um, and this still exists to this day, an imprint on the equipment as well. You know that little uh, that that little loop at the back of goaltender skates, the tie that allows the pads to ride a little bit higher to cover up five hole when you go down. The Lundquist yep. loop. Yep. That was his. That's his. Not just a great goaltender, but an innovator as well, with the Lundquist loop. Um, we were planning if we had a longer show today to go through like an entire list of you know who's next and and who should be in. Um, and we're gonna end up we're gonna end up doing that probably tomorrow. I, I would think it's imagine, be Maddie. Thursday. I think it's gonna be Thursday. Oh, is it gonna be Thursday? Our our guest our guest has a prior commitment, so we may have to do it Thursday. But it's I I think we still have that conversation. I mean, I think that there's a there's a there's a few obvious ones. I, um, you know, I think eventually Alex McGillney does get in. I think Carolyn Ouellette gets in. I do think it would be a nice touch if she goes in uh, with her partner, Julie Chu, one Canadian, one American. Um, I still do think that Cassie Campbell-Pascal gets in eventually. Um, Jennifer Botterill as well. Um, I think Curtis Joseph. I think there'll be enough groundswell uh, for Cujo to to finally get in, uh, as I think that there is still a continued groundswell uh, for Rod Brindamore to get in here, Maddie, Are there any, I mean... 
if we want to go oversight, and, uh, and and we can go over this on Thursday as well, if we want to go oversight, and again, the problem is there's no one on the selection committee who actually saw Lauren Shabbat play Nets. Um, but if you want to reach all the way back in, in history, you know, a strong case can be made for netminder Lauren Shabbat. And it's interesting, too, because Berkey on the show yesterday, you know, mentioned that, you know, probably goaltenders have been amongst all the positions the most underrepresented in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I will take exception with that on one position specifically, and that is the defensive defenseman. It seems as if there has to be sort of a baseline of offense as a defenseman if you're going to get in. Now, many will look at, you know, Kev, hey, Kevin Lowe just went in five minutes ago. True, and I like that. Uh, Rod Langway uh, is, uh, is in the Hockey Hall of Fame as well. But if you go down the list of defensemen in the Hockey Hall of Fame, they're pretty much all offensive guys. Yeah. You know, because I've wondered, like I've even wondered about a player, like you look at that previous generation, I've wondered about uh, a defensive defenseman like Adam Foote. Like oh, yeah. guys that don't put up the big numbers. Like, the, But the question is, if you're going in as a defenseman, do you need to have a baseline of offense to get in? Hmm. Well, I mean, you can't have 10 points. Like, that's probably not going to do it. But if you're a player that puts up 30 to 35 points and you play lockdown why? defense, I don't see why. But but I, I do think that there has to be a – well, here's the thing, Jeff. I don't even think that there has mm-hmm. to be a minimum because if you don't put up those numbers, you're not playing 1,000 games. Even if you are – like if you have a hundred career points in a thousand games, I don't think that that happens very often. You probably, you know, mm. so those are few and far between. So a guy like Adam Foot makes a lot of sense. Much like Kevin Lowe made a lot of sense when he went in. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting discussion. Like we'll 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 have this more on Thursday. Um, and I don't know. I I I, I tend to not get too upset about the hall of fame i really i really don't like i've i've never really been one that's you could even you know fake outrage i mean i was you know pretty passionate like a lot of us were uh, about herb carnegie finally getting in um but i don't really lose sleep about players not going into the hockey hall of fame um paul paduti's going to stop by on you say thursday maddie no his uh you should follow him on twitter at at adjusted hockey or adjustedhockey.com is the website he has He's a fascinating guy. He's a, he's an accountant by day and someone that has a interesting formula and a, and a way to measure Hockey Hall of Fame worthiness. Uh, I think he's one of the most interesting guys on the internet. I, I really do. And I was texting a little bit with him last night, just going through players because I've got like Maddie, surprise, surprise. Like I've got, I've got a list of, I've got a list of guys, uh, you know, stretching back decades and decades that I've wondered about, you know, Hall of Fame worthiness. I'll go over it with uh, with Paul when we have him on the program on Thursday, whether it's, you know, your Gilles Malaches and you've heard me talk about him <laughs> plenty of times here. Th- these types of players, players that I've always wondered, you know, should they go in? You know, should there be a spot for them in the in the Hockey Hall of Fame, despite the fact that they just happen to play on bad teams. Anyway, we'll park that conversation. Uh, so again, abbreviated program today. Thanks for joining me in this uh, one hour long program. Uh, we're going to hit a pause and I want to get to this pause early because Bernice Carnegie is going to stop by here in a couple of seconds. Um, 
her father Herb going in the Hockey Hall of Fame yesterday. Uh, the book that we should all read, A Fly in a Pail of Milk, the Herb Carnegie story. Um, we'll talk to her about her father uh, and her father's story. Uh, we should also park some time to talk about um, both the Future Aces uh, program uh, that Herb started once upon a time and also talk about the Carnegie Initiative, uh, what that is and what's next as the legacy of Herb Carnegie continues to grow and that's a wonderful thing for hockey hit a break bernice carnegie joins me in moments merrick show continues across the sportsnet radio network simulcast on sportsnet 360 everything raptors before and after the games the raptor show with will Liu. subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Uh, I want to get right to our next guest to leave as much time as possible. It was, for some people, myself included, the uh, the best speech we've ever seen at the Hockey Hall of Fame, um, delivered by Bernice Carnegie uh, in honor of her father, Herb, who takes his rightful place in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Bernice Carnegie joins me now. Bernice, thanks so much for stopping by today. How are you uh, one day after uh, some, uh, you know, some, some wonderful moments at the Hockey Hall of Fame with your family? Well, in one way, I feel exhausted, but in another way, I feel so, um, oh, I don't even know what the word is. I I can't explain it. It's just a a very quiet, peaceful, and happy moment in my life right now. I I can only imagine how you you felt up there, Um, you and Dale talking about your father and his story, you know, and I was mentioning too, like you you struck this, you know, you struck this really unique tone. It was, it was inspirational. It was heartbreaking. Um, There was a tinge of, uh, of doing the the right thing and, and justice and a vision forward, like there, there was so like I always encourage me like, go back and like anyone listening or watching, go back and and watch this speech. It really is like there's a lot of different layers to this one. When when you were putting that together, because um, and you've been fighting for her for so long now. When you were putting that speech together, how did you even begin to organize thoughts? Well, you know, I I know that there are still a lot of people who don't know who my father was and i think it was important that there should have been elements in that presentation that helped understand uh, what he brought to community and what he brought to sport Um, even though they had the pictures and um, angela james did a wonderful job of sharing his story they're really when you do it personally from a family member it does sound different and um, i was i was happy to actually recognize the hall of fame committee i mean the fact that they even thought of that my father should be there and many people have but the fact that they actually considered it this time and and totally understood uh, the value that he has brought to hockey, um, even though it was a long time ago um, that he he was actually active as a player. But he continued to um, promote hockey 
it didn't matter what other uh, initiative he was involved in, there were literally thousands upon thousands of articles written about my dad, and every single one of them, no matter what what it was he was doing, went back to talk about his hockey career. So, so when you think that thousands of articles um, mentioned his commitment to the sport, his love of the sport, um, how he promoted the sport, you know, he really, truly was a builder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's true. And I thought that the, one of the, it was such a wonderful moment, Bernice, when you said, how many of you are here because of my dad and, and watched people, you know, stand up. Like it's, it's one of those, like raise the hair on your arms kind of moment. Like it was, and I, it it seemed like spontaneous too. It was like, it's just such a, such a, a beautiful moment and watching people stand up. I can only imagine what went through your mind when you saw that. I loved the moment. I knew, of course, my family was there. We we were able to connect with a family that we hadn't seen for 30 years, and that was really important to us, family we had never seen, and they connected because of this moment in time. But to actually have those in the audience, I knew there were people in the audience that came just because they wanted this moment to happen and they wanted to feel a part of knowing that this was a milestone and this was historical for our family and for my father how many uh how many people reached out uh, last night from across you know whether it's family or friends or people from from hockey and I'm I'm surely you know the texts and the emails and the phone calls have been have been nonstop um who reached out to you last night Oh my <laughs> You know um so many so many people came up to me last night people I knew and many people that I didn't know well um to tell me that uh, my words did strike a chord with them. And I hope that chord really is that they will now carry on the torch and that they will actually do something because this isn't just about talking about an injustice. This is talking about the man who continued to resolve injustice. And if each of us was touched by that um, that story, then we have an obligation to actually pay it forward and to make a difference every single day in our life. It just only takes one moment in your life to help change another person's. You don't actually have to change the world. You just have to change one or, or, or help make a difference for one or two people in your own little circle. So I'm hoping that's the message that people got from that uh, that moment in time when I had to share, uh, I had an opportunity to share my father's story. 
Uh, I want to get to the Carnegie Initiative here in a couple of moments um, because some of this work is, well, a lot of this work, all of this work is outstanding and profound and necessary. Um, but I, I'm curious, uh, like I've read and I, I, I picked it up again this weekend, your father's book uh, uh, that you helped write, uh, Fly in a Pail of Milk, the Herb Carnegie story. I've read it a few times and always encourage people to, to do so. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, okay, I'm trying to get a snapshot and I met your father twice and spoke to him twice, but you know, I didn't you know, live with him, grow up with him. Um, from, from your point of view, we can read about your dad. We can hear about your dad. Um, what do you want us to know about your dad based on your experience with him? I believe that the book was a gift. I didn't realize how much of a gift until I read it as a as an adult and understood how many challenges my father had to go through and yet he navigated around the challenges and he continued to find ways to make a difference. And so the thing that I admire the most about my father is that he never gave up on life. Uh, you know, we all, everybody, everybody has to deal with stuff. And each of our stuff, some of it's the same and some of it's not the same. We hope that, you know, the color of our skin or what, re what religion we have or what sexual orientation we are isn't the reason why people may decide not to want to interact with us. But we know that that happens. And um, my father dealt with it with dignity. He, was, he had a lot of humility in what he did, but he also had perseverance. And life requires us to be determined to uh, do the right thing for the right reason. And, uh, you know, the older you get, hopefully the better we get at it. Um, it is a learning experience for all of us. And now that I am a, a senior, I realize how much I just don't know. <laughs> so I'm hoping that I keep growing. And I am growing through the Carnegie Initiative for uh, my father to have started a hockey school back in 1955 and for him to have had the foresight to actually um, have a character component to it where he was teaching those young men about being good citizens. We still need that component in our lives. And that's exactly what the Carnegie Initiative is about. It's about looking at some of the issues we have in our hockey world and helping us to bring each other together, helping us to learn about uh, the successes of, uh, of the many organizations out there that are working to do something that is uh, positive for their communities and to help us to um, rid our, our sports world and our communities of uh, 
social justice issues that just are not helpful mm-hmm. to promoting uh, people being welcoming and engaging with each other. We just don't need that. We What we need is what happened at that venue yesterday where everybody was smiling. Everybody was welcoming. Everybody wanted to congratulate those inductees who excelled in their careers, but you could also tell that they were absolutely wonderful people. So why can't we just be wonderful people? Why why can't we make our lives, um, you know, uh, it, 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 it doesn't have to be bad when it can be good. So why are we doing this to ourselves? Uh, so I just have to hand it to my dad. He knew that. He knew that from early in his life. And he shared that with us, his family, and and with our community. And so I respect what he did. And I also respect the fact that every time he spoke, he would end it with, I just want to leave this world a better place than I found it. And now he's been recognized for that. And on one of, if not hockey's biggest stage, I mean, enshrined in the Hockey Hall of Fame, there is such a gravity around that that is profound. And, you know, I, I can't help but now now that there's that, that, I mean, yesterday is about recognition, certainly, and your father is recognized for a number of things, and the builder category is a very, very special category to go in as. I am curious, what next? You know, there's a, the, the Carnegie Initiative, which is, as you, as you just mentioned, doing tremendous work trying to, to bring things together. But, you know, I, I can't help but thinking, Bernice, you know, I'm watching you speak last night and I'm watching Dale speak as well. And I'm thinking this is a whole, this is a whole new level that the Carnegie family is at now, that the Carnegie Initiative is at now. Um, it's almost like finally, like the Carnegies have been tapping the hockey world on its shoulder for your entire lives. And finally now, the hockey world turned around and said, we recognize that you're here. So what's next for the Carnegies? Well, what's next is that we all, as I said in in my presentation yesterday, we all have a responsibility. And once you have, have become aware that there are uh, segments of our community that have been left out or pushed back or not given opportunities, each of us has to take the responsibility to try to make it better. I mean, life doesn't have to be so complicated. We can wake up in the morning and enjoy the moments Uh, Stop being so stressed out. And maybe part of the stress is because we're just not treating each other well. And if people got up and felt good and treated their family with respect and went to work and treated their co-workers with respect, 
just think of what this world could be. And all it takes is one word from each of us each day. That's all it takes. I mean, I smile when I talk to my my older sister, Goldie, who she, she says she's She's amazed at all of the work that I seem to get done in in a week. But the one thing that impresses me about her is that every single day she gets up and she's she's not you know she's not physically strong right now. She's 81 years old. I don't think she'll mind me sharing that. But she gets up and she goes out each day, and she makes a point of trying to make uh, a difference in one person's life, even if it's just to say, you're looking good today. Hmm. It's great positivity. Um, and I think we all can, you know, uh, and should cherish all those words. Um, I, I want to ask you about, like, I, I know Rain a little bit. Um, bumped into him again a couple of months ago at Chesswood Arena in, in Toronto. Um, and I know that you're, you're, uh, you have a grandson uh, that plays with Duffield. He's a five-year-old phenom, has been, uh, has been uh, described to me. That would be Jacob. Um as you watch Jacob play, because he's five, right? There's nothing but opportunity ahead for Jacob. And he's growing up in a hockey world with the Carnegie name and the Hockey Hall of Fame. What type of hockey experience do you hope your grandson Jacob has? Well, I smile every time I see the little fella. <laughs> and he was there last night. He was there along with Rain's, Rain's kids, um, uh, Miles and Maya. And, um, you know, they were very adamant that those young people were in the room at that time because this was historical. This was a milestone. And this is part of their heritage and their history. And so to to see them want to to uh, enjoy the sport that my father loves so much um, gives me a real smile. It's obvious that um, both Miles and um, Jacob actually do have uh, athletic talent. <laughs> and uh, but I also love their parenting in that both sets of parents, my my son Corey and Julie and uh, uh, Rain and his wife Brooke, um, are saying, you know what, enjoy, enjoy it. This is, they're five, they're five and 10. This is not NHL. (laughs) This is, this is kids. Um, enjoying the camaraderie and team spirit of other kids. This, these are young people that are learning to, to uh, appreciate the growth of their bodies and what talents they might have and can, can um, exercise and, and uh, you know, just develop. But this is not the NHL. So, you know what I'd say to parents out there? Cool it. Let your kids enjoy. Um, <laughs> let them have their own little moments. But Because I am sure if some of the parents got out in the ice with some of these 5-year-olds and 10-year-olds, they wouldn't be able to do anything. 
<laughs> and yet they expect so much me, I, from these little guys. Yeah, you know what I no, mean? I, my, uh, my, my 10 year old is skated with miles, um, uh, at, at Chesswood a, a couple of months ago. So I know exactly, uh, what you're talking about. I would not be able to get out there on the ice with, uh, with your miles or my Brody. Uh, they're already skating circles around all of us. Um, as we, uh, as we bid you good afternoon and listen, I, I'm so thrilled that you were able to come on today, Bernice. Um, Closing thoughts. Like I know this is still fresh from from last night, but um, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. There wasn't. I mean, everybody was smiling. It was such a wonderful, you know, positive evening uh, of looking both backwards uh, at your father's career and forwards for the future of the game. Uh, CarnegieInitiative.com is the website. You know, I asked you what you wanted people to know about your dad. Uh, I've got about 60 seconds left here in the program. What do you want people to know about the Carnegie Initiative? The Carnegie Initiative is an extension of everything that my father believed in and started so many years ago. And I am elated that I am part of carrying on his initiative. Um, It was my initiative, too, after after joining my father and working with him for 30 years. And so this is his baby, but it's also my baby. And I can see that there are so many others out there that believe in the vision that we can do better. And that's all we have to keep thinking. We just have to be positive and passionate about our desire to want to, um, to want to not just think for ourselves, but to think beyond ourselves. And that's what my father did so well. He always had the heart to want to do just a little better. You have a beautiful family, Bernice. Uh, yesterday was special. Congratulations uh, from everyone here from this little corner of the hockey world uh, to you, your late father, and the entire Carnegie family. Thanks so much for dropping by today. Well, it was wonderful to to be invited. And uh, thank you. I mean, thank you, everyone, who has made this, these last few days so special for all of us. It's been great. Bernice, thank you so much uh, for stopping by today. And uh, and that concludes the program on a very high note. Uh, thanks to Bernice Carnegie for stopping by. Show returns tomorrow, noon Eastern.